Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. On July 7, 2017, an Air Canada A320 coming in for a landing at San Francisco's airport nearly landed on an active taxiway with four airliners waiting to take off. Fortunately, the airliner executed a missed approach and an accident was avoided. The following Tuesday, on July 11th, I was interviewed by radio station CJOB of Winnipeg, Canada about this event. We want to talk about an accident that was um, avoided at the last possible moment at San Francisco International Airport. This near miss might have triggered, and this is in quotations, the greatest aviation disaster in history. Here's some audio on that from CBS. It was just before midnight when other pilots sounded the alarm and possibly prevented a horrific accident. Air Canada Flight 759 with 140 people on board was coming in from Toronto. The Airbus A320 was cleared to land on runway 28 right at San Francisco International, but instead lined up for the taxiway that parallels the runway. There were four other airliners on that taxiway waiting to take off. Air traffic control audio captured what happened next. So I just want to confirm this, uh, Air Canada 759, uh, we see some lights on the uh, runway there. Can you confirm the mid-land? Air Canada 759, confirmed, clear to land runway 28 right. There is no one on 28 right but you. Okay, I can't this guy going? He's on the taxiway. Yeah, I saw that guy. The FAA is now investigating the distance between that Air Canada flight and those jets on the ground on taxiway C. Air Canada says the airliner eventually landed safely, and the airline is also investigating what happened. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Washington. What jumped out for me in that audio, Tristan? Mm-hmm. How calm, cool, and collected the air traffic controller remained. Oh, yeah. In that circumstance, you you can't even show a little bit of panic because you start doing that and things get out of control quickly, especially when you're monitoring potentially hundreds of planes. I can only imagine. Well, they say it's one of the most stressful jobs Mm -hmm. on the planet. Todd Curtis, AirSafe Foundation, formerly worked for Boeing and the American Air Force, joins us now. And Todd... uh, just by all accounts, this was uh, a tragedy that was very nearly uh, unparalleled, in fact, in terms of scope. Well, that's correct. Uh, there have been occasions in the past, uh, one that comes to mind is an LAX some years ago, where an airliner actually landed on top of another airliner and killed several dozen people. But this was potentially something that could have involved up to five aircraft. And that certainly would have uh, put it in the range of being uh, the most uh, tragic uh, accident in the history of aviation. Todd, I have to ask, as someone who has next to no knowledge when it comes to how uh, air traffic controlling works or how uh, the process at, a, at an airport works, when a plane is about to land, what what's the procedure in there to make sure that there are no crashes, especially when you have a busy airport like San Francisco International? Well, that's one of the issues that I believe the FAA will definitely uh, look into, because depending on the circumstances, even though this was, this was a nighttime event, I believe the weather was relatively clear, and they may have been operating under largely visual flight rules. That is, instead of using the automated landing systems like the instrument landing system, uh, that they were relying on essentially their uh, their eyeballs to, to figure out where they were and to align properly with the runway. And this may have been a case where they may have been confused by the lights on the ground and lined up with the taxiway, which is parallel to the runway, rather than the runway itself. The taxiway parallel to the runway. I find that interesting that 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 would be the case. Is that 
is that a usual circumstance uh, or are they typically perpendicular, Todd? Well, it depends on the airport. Uh, typically, if you have a fairly straightforward airport, let's say a single runway airport, you'll have a taxiway paralleling the runway and also other taxiways going to and from the terminal. San Francisco has several major runways and several taxiways, some of which parallel the major runways. And I believe in this event, the four aircraft that were waiting were on a taxiway immediately parallel to the main runway. Wow. I mean, I've been in and out of San Francisco a couple of different times. It's obviously an extremely busy airport. The geography is challenging, of course. It kind of juts out into San Francisco Bay, depending on, obviously, uh, this flight was from Toronto. You come in over the mountains. Uh, they're not incredibly high mountains. It's no, no Hong Kong or anything like that. But it, it, it's got its challenges, and, of course, weather can often be a factor in San Francisco. Yes, indeed. In fact, the weather could be a factor in a good way, in a sense of good weather could encourage pilots to operate in a way that's unsafe. Mm. I say this because almost four years to the day before this near miss, there was a crash in San Francisco involving an Asiana 777 aircraft, which was on a spectacularly clear daylight uh, visual landing sort of day, the kind of picture postcard weather that uh, you would use to attract tourists to San Francisco. And the crew in that case, the NTSB did an investigation, the crew in that case was using automated landing systems in ways that were inappropriate for a landing when they were supposed to be using essentially a visual set of flight rules rather than an instrument set of flight rules. Todd, I have to ask, and I don't know if we have this information, but how frequent roughly are incidents uh, do incidents like this take place? I mean, obviously, that the scope of this uh, near hit, frankly, uh, it was massive. But in terms of, uh, uh, you know, almost having air, two aircraft almost crash at an airport, how often does that, does that happen? I assume that gets rarer with better technology, but it, it must happen once in a while, eh? That's an excellent question and one that I'm actually ill-equipped to answer because the databases that are widely available to the public that talk about incidents and accidents, if you have something that's a near miss, for example, an airplane almost lands on a taxiway but projects uh, the landing and lands normally later on, that may not show up in any database. Typically, when I do hear about this, it's through the media. Uh, you may remember a few months ago, I believe it was February of this year, uh, Harrison Ford, the movie actor and actually quite accomplished pilot, uh, almost landed on the taxiway of an airport in Southern California. They got a lot of media play. There was even a video of his airplane nearly landing on the taxiway. The FAA didn't charge him or sanction him in any way. Uh, and just uh, in preparation for this story, I found out about a, an event in 2015 at the Seattle airport where an airplane actually did land on the taxiway. Fortunately, there were no other aircraft there. And this was apparently the fourth time that it happened at SeaTac Airport. Yet it was something that would not show up in any official database that's easily accessible. And, and Todd, can you confirm for me, because I have a, an article open right now that says that Harrison Ford did in fact land on the taxiway at John Wayne Airport. Was it a, a near miss or did he in fact land on the taxiway? I, I, I stand corrected. I, I remember looking at the video, and it only had a portion of the view. It showed him flying over, I believe it was a Southwest Airlines 737. He was about 30 or 40 feet uh, distant from the aircraft. Right. But he didn't hit that aircraft. 
And as you said, I don't believe it was a, a rejected landing. So yes, uh, this sort of thing happens on a regular basis, but it's not something that necessarily will show up in uh, something that can easily be compiled so you can say statistically, are things getting better or are things getting worse? One thing I will say without hesitation, what is getting better is the likelihood that you and I and the general public find out about these things much, much, much higher today. You not only have cameras at all major airports looking at routine landings and takeoffs, you have passengers and pilots and ground crew who may be witnesses with cameras in their pockets to take pictures of this. So uh, where it may have happened in the past, it may have been swept under the rug. It's much harder to hide it now. You know, I make the assimilation to Disneyland and you see these uh, traveling amusement park shows where they take up and put up rides for three, four days on a weekend and they go somewhere else. And, and you know, so there's a perception that those rides are, are less safe than, say, permanent rides at Disneyland. I don't know the exact statistics, but I feel more comfortable on the rides at Disneyland, but that doesn't mean accidents don't happen there. They're just very good at making sure there isn't panic happening when they take place and they've got infrastructure so that they can keep those uh, from us uh, much better than they would in a farmer's field or at the state or county fair. And in a sense, there's a parallel between aviation and the amusement industry in that when something happens to an airliner, that's a very newsworthy item, very, very hard to, find, to, to, to hide that. But if something happens, a private airport, a private airplane away from the eyes of the public, uh, it may happen and no one will know about it. Similarly, something happens at Disneyland, Disney World, Six Flags, or any major amusement park. It's national and sometimes international news, and there's a lot of pressure on that industry to get things right and to keep bad things from happening. Not so much pressure for the smaller operators who are operating almost in the shadows, so to speak. Todd, I have to ask just your perspective on this as someone who has tremendous expertise in this area. I mean, if I may draw a comparison to traffic violations, for instance, you know, if you get a speeding ticket or a parking ticket, uh, you know, that may not involve another vehicle, that may not involve anyone else, but the fact is those are tracked and those are monitored in spite of the fact that those are not crashes and those don't involve anybody else. Now, when it comes to these near misses with these airplanes, I would think, just from a layman's perspective, it would be worth tracking this data and figuring out the trends and figuring out why this happens. And I'm just kind of curious to know, why aren't we tracking this? Because this sounds pretty important to me. Well, I think that's another good parallel to the um, uh, road traffic industry. That is, if you have a speeding ticket or running a stop sign, it may not lead to an accident. And it may not end up in a national or international database, but certainly... Insurance companies who follow this would look at this and say, well, if this operator keeps running red lights, I'm going to raise their insurance. For all we know, there's something similar going on within the airlines or within the airline industry. Certainly within a major airline, if they have a good handle on the statistics of how they operate the aircraft, they'll be able to point out which flights, which airports, which pilots even tend to be associated with uh, behavior that is outside of uh, uh, acceptable behavior and take a, a action accordingly. But at the same time, they may not have any responsibility to release that information to the public. In other words, it may be taken care of, but not taken care of in a way that you and I will see. And as an aside, I'd like to point something out. I, at the end of June, I realized something about what happened in the first six months of 2017. Worldwide, there was not a single event anywhere in the world 
where a passenger on a jet airliner died for any reason, not for an accident, not from sabotage, not from military action. I look back on the records. That had not happened previously until you get to the year 1959. So in spite of the high-profile things that are happening on a regular basis, at the highest level of aviation, I believe that collectively, over time, a lot of good things have been done and have prevented many of the high-level, high-fatality, and even low-fatality type events which, when I was younger, seemed to be an almost monthly occurrence. Yeah, I agree, Todd. It, it's crazy to look back and, and realize how frequently a plane crash would lead the news. It was something that, as a kid, uh, used to stress me out. It was uh, I used to have dreams about air crashes, and that's fascinating to learn that uh, uh, we were in that situation. So that was that last year or so far this year, Todd? So far this year, so far this year, the first six months, uh, zero passenger fatalities for any sort of jet airliner. And uh, I'll go even further. On my website, airsafe.com, I actually follow a wider range of aircraft, not only jet airliners, but any turboprop airliner that's commonly used in airline service in North America and Western Europe, which means I'm drawing an even wider uh, range of aircraft. And in the past 22 years, in each of the previous 21 years, there was at least one event where there's a passenger uh, death on one of those types of aircraft. Nothing happened this year either. That's fascinating so stuff. So this is unusual on two levels. For sure. And so I, I think uh, that you're right. <laughs> Obviously, you're the expert, but I have to imagine that it's all this technology that makes these near misses more accessible to the general public. People are talking about them. They have the network to do so and the technology to share their experiences. Before we go here, Todd, I do want to add, you know, uh, we had a text message here. Somebody suggesting that the uh, crash on the Canary Islands, and I remember this too, two Boeing 747 passenger jets colliding on the runway uh, at what was called at the time the Los Rodeos uh, Air- Airport on the uh, Canary Islands. 583 people were killed in that aviation accident. Would we have approached a number like this had these four or five planes uh, collided, four on the ground, one landing at San Francisco? It, the potential was certainly there. I don't know the sizes of the aircraft that were there in San Francisco. Certainly the ones in the Canary Islands, there are two, I believe, either fully loaded or nearly fully loaded 747s. And uh, all were killed on one aircraft. I think it was a KLM. And most of the people were killed on the Pan Am aircraft. Uh, certainly, depending on what was happening in San Francisco, this would have been in that, in that ballpark. But that's something that uh, I'm happy is only in the realm of speculation. Todd, thank you for making some time for us today. We greatly appreciate your insight. Well, thank you once again for having me. Todd Curtis with us, AirSafe Foundation, and he's an aviation expert, formerly worked for Boeing and the American Air Force. Thanks for uh, hooking us up with uh, Todd Absolutely. Curtis. Had him on several times. He's outstanding when it comes to this stuff. I guess the overall message here is simply put, yes, these near hits or near misses, whatever you want to call them, they are scary, Uh, And they could be disastrous, but the fact is, air travel is still incredibly safe. I'm sorry that I did not see this text message while we had Todd on the air. Maybe we can send him an email on this, Tristan. Mm. Why not use cool blue lights on the taxiway and white lights on the runway? I I wouldn't know the answer to that. I don't either, but that's why I suggested maybe send it to Todd. For more information on airline safety and security, please visit airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.